I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, today is episode 45 of The Mind Killer. And in celebration, we're going to do a show that's all about the 45th president, Donald Trump. Woo! (laughs) Just kidding, we're not doing that. That would be a terrible show. Fuck wants to talk about Trump for an hour. Have the entire apparently media. a lot of people. Yeah, that's true, but uh, I don't want to. So, okay. so we're not hey, going to do that. Hey, America, let me give you a hint. When a president loses re-election, that president is a loser, and you don't need to talk about them anymore. You did it with Carter, despite the fact that Carter actually had good policies and shit. So, can we please do it with Trump as well? And that has been your two deployment from David today. <laughs> Just doing some early trip deployments there. All right. Yeah. Uh, we have some feedback from last episode about uh, gun stuff for you gun people who are not me. Yeah. So uh, Hobo Demon on the Discord said that AR is a truncation for Armalite, not an initialism for Armalite rifle. And he lists a few examples of other Armalite products that were not rifles, uh, but still used the AR designation. Uh, so thank you for that feedback, Hobo Demon. All right, and David is also going to make good on his promise to talk about uh, she's re- third term, maybe? Yeah, uh, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, apparently I had the timeline of exactly when the uh, big CCP meeting, when they're going to hash out who's going to be the supreme leader for the next, uh, I want to say, four years. Thousand is- years? Is it a thousand years? As long as he gets the mandate of heaven. Yeah, constitutionally, people are only allowed two terms in China. So if she gets reelected, because that would be his third term, he's basically going to be president for life. Um, which, frankly, I have recently come around to the uh, stance that as awful as she is, the alternatives are kind of worse because uh, the plausible alternative to Xi is Zhang Zemin, who uh, did some organ harvesting uh, from some religious minorities. That does sound worse. But also, like, Xi allowed it to happen, right? So he's not really much better. Oh, oh, no, no. Uh, Zemin was in charge of uh, China at the time. Oh, I thought they were doing that just recently. Oh, they're doing it now too. But that, so uh, the the thing that Jemin oversaw was the uh, Falun Gong, I think, which was a uh, much smaller ethnic group than the Uyghurs, and it's now looking like that was a bit of a test run. <laughs> so he she basically did the same thing but scaled it up. I, I don't think that makes him better. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. It, I know that that was something that I thought about and came around to it not really being true, but now that I now I can't really remember what I what convinced me, so I'm just going to let that stand. All right. Well, speaking of she, she, the Greek letter was next in line uh, for the next, uh, the, the, the name of the next COVID variant. Uh, uh, but the WHO decided to skip over it uh, for uh, obvious no, they, reasons. 
No, they actually skipped two. Uh, next in line was Nu, uh, and you, and then Xi, and they skipped both of them straight to Omicron. Yes, so now we are at Omicron. Do, do we know and, why they skipped Mewtwo? Uh, yeah, because then people would be talking about the new new variant, and the WHO hates fun. Aww. They love the red Chinese and hate fun. Wait, you said new? I thought it was Mew. N-U, new. Oh. Okay. And as in November, you as in uniform. Uh, and there's also a letter that's M-U, right? Yes. yes. Those but that one was not next in line. Things that are so very similar sounding. But, okay, yes, yeah, sorry. I have delayed us. Can I say something about the Omnicron variant? No, we're still talking about Greek letters. Damn it, okay. <laughs> you know if they named it the Mu variant, then the next one they would have to name the Mu 2 variant. Oh, and that and would, that would just be that would just be a, a complete disaster. I would love it. <laughs> All right, tell us about Omicron. Okay, Omicron, new variant out of South Africa again. Uh, this one reminded me immediately when I heard about it, about the, um, oh gosh, what was the Neuromancer trilogy called? Anyways, I am sadly old enough to remember Cyberpunk when it was literally being created and the word wasn't around yet. And uh, one of the people who started it, arguably the godfather of Cyberpunk, is William Gibson. And in his original trilogy, in either the sequel or the third book, uh, he mentioned that AIDS is not a problem anymore. And the reason AIDS isn't a problem in the mu- anymore in the future of the 80s is because they found a guy who had a mutation of AIDS that was basically asymptomatic but would eat the original AIDS for uh, breakfast. And by AIDS, I do mean HIV. Uh, and so just everybody got... Uh, caught that one instead and had it forever but there were no effects aside from the fact that you can't get HIV anymore which is like the best effect you can get from a virus uh, and immediately I was like oh cool well, William Gibson has foreseen the future again because now we have the Omicron variant which from all reports has very mild symptoms compared to all the other variants and the original COVID but is more infectious than any of them including Delta so uh, the thing we should do now is get everyone infected with Omicron as rapidly as possible so that we can all have no symptoms or very mild symptoms uh, with extremely rare complications and be immune to COVID and finally be over this long worldwide nightmare of people trying to fucking change all of governments to be in everything in our business. Also, because of uh, because of Inyash's slip of the tongue just now, I want to say that despite what the President of the United States says, it is Omic- Omicron, not Omnicron. But Omnicron sounds cooler. That was a uh, Transformer, wasn't it? No, that was Unicron. Mm. Yeah. Omnicron would make a great Transformer name, too. That's true. Though the best Transformer name is Ultra Magnus. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I personally like Metatron. That's the best Transformer. All right, that That is an angel. <laughs> Megatron is the yes. Transformer. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think it's Metatron. <laughs> All right. Ah, yes, Voice of God from the Christian Bible and the Transformers series. (laughs) Where do you think they got the idea from? Uh, You were saying less. Ah, yes. So, the evidence uh, that the Omicron variant is much more transmissible is very good. Um, It's almost certainly true um, and will almost certainly replace Delta as the dominant variant worldwide very quickly. Uh, the evidence that it is um, less symptomatic or less severe is less good. Uh, early reports seem to suggest that, uh, but it's hardly um, conclusive at this time. Uh, Zvi gives it a 35% chance as of this recording. Uh, I'm sure that will be updated soon. Uh, but uh, yes, we're all hoping 
that it is it is in fact the case that it's significantly less uh, dangerous because that would be a, a great development. I do have four different sources that uh, that I link to that say it's less severe, but on the other hand, I don't know how to trust any of those, and I do know that V is fairly trustworthy, so I think as V might outweigh those four sources. <laughs> yes, and also experimentation is illegal, and the people in charge of the world hate when people try to learn things, so God knows if slash when we'll know for sure. If you learn something, you might change something. <laughs> Ah, the Copenhagen theory of knowledge. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Omicron uh, is might suck, or it might actually be way better. I don't know. But either way, um, the evidence is also good that the, um, the vaccines work against it to reduce, reduce transmission and to uh, severely reduce hospitalizations. So keep getting the vaccines get your third one um and then maybe stop worrying about it because if you weren't worried before there's no reason to be worried now so you have a vaccine covid is rarely worse than the flu i mean it's rarely worse than a cold yeah uh yes i don't know so i yeah we've covered this in troop deployments before so we won't, won't keep harping on it but yeah but uh, World governments keep harping on it, so we kind of have to. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, Eniash, oh. did you put this in here about Trevor Noah? Uh, yeah, apparently Trevor Noah was throwing some shade at um, one of the pharma companies, I think Pfizer, because they were going to be making a lot more money with this uh, variant coming out. And despite the fact that he's the host of The Daily Show, which is insanely liberal, and by all accounts is pretty damned liberal and possibly even woke himself, uh, he's now being called an anti-vaxxer for, for saying that, hmm, how, how interesting that these billionaires are going to be making billions more dollars now. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think that's fair to call him anti-vax. I watched the clip. Oh, yeah, um, I think. I, I think. I think it was the CEO of Moderna came out and said, um, "You know, it's Omicron could be dangerous. Uh, we're going to start formulating a a booster specifically for that variant, and uh, people should probably get it." Yes, but heavens forfend, people be oh, I don't know, rewarded for trying to give us our lives back. Yeah. Um, and Trevor Noah just came out and said, like, ah, so the guy selling the vaccine says we need more additional vaccines. Curious. Yeah. Uh, and no one else has come out and said that yet, which is, like, pretty, pretty weak. Uh, it's and not and also not wrong. Definitely not wrong. I don't think it makes him an anti-vaxxer, though. Just this expanding definition of anti-vax. No, he's not anti-vax. He, he's basically saying, like, wait till the independent doctors say that it's. That you need it, which is dumb yeah. because, God, the me whole entire medical establishment has just beclowned itself for this <laughs> entire pandemic. Uh, so, And I think there is, like, I don't think there's any reason not to think a variant-specific booster shot wouldn't help. I would prefer one. So I don't think, I don't think Trevor Noah's analysis is correct, but I also don't think that makes him anti-vax to say, like, no, guys, let's wait for the experts. It just makes him depressingly normal. Yeah. Um, I do think he has a point, though, because, you know, doctors always think that the thing they do is what will solve the problem. Hmm. Yeah. Like, if you ever ask a surgeon if you need surgery, he'll say yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and it's just it's just the way of things. Uh, but I don't I don't think there's any reason to doubt the uh, sincerity of the Moderna CEO here. Uh, 
and just just to uh, give a shout out to a really cool doctor I once said or I once met, I had a consultation to see if I needed to get my tonsils out, and the surgeon said, and I quote, well, I love operating, so if you want to get them out, then I'll cut them out for you, but it probably won't help. <laughs> nice. Wow, classic surgeon attitude, except for that last part. Yep. Uh, all right, and we also have something here about Louisiana. Yes, Louisiana, again, that was me, uh, Louisiana had uh, someone challenge the vaccine mandates that the federal government was rolling out, and uh, the Louisiana Supreme Court ordered a preliminary in- uh, injunction against the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Uh, they had a rule saying that uh, everyone working for them had to get mandatory COVID-19 vaccination compliance. And uh, Louisiana says, the uh, no, uh, the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits, apparently, uh, and that this is a broad overreach, and therefore there is now an injunction in Louisiana and 10 other states in that circuit uh, that the uh, they can't force vaccine mandates on people, which I don't know. I just I thought it was an interesting thing and we should mention it. So is this is this saying that government service providers can't refuse to provide services unless people are vaccinated? No, that the people that's who what it work looks like. for the uh, CMS. So, so this is not about the um, nationwide vaccine mandate for all employers who have uh, 100 plus employees. That's a different thing. This was an earlier mandate issued by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services that required medical providers to get vaccinated. Which we are in favor of. Yes. I mean, I don't I don't know that we're in favor of the mandate, but we're definitely in favor of medical providers getting vaccinated. And yeah. if there's any mandate, then this is probably the best one. Um, but this is a different agency. The other one was issued through OSHA whose enabling legislation is incredibly broad. Um, so I don't know that this says anything about that one. So this may just be a uh, temporary thing until that one takes effect. Um, at, at least I am, I do like that this, uh, this court actually engaged in the analysis about whether they're likely to succeed on the merits. Yeah. Um, I know I complained about this earlier that courts are just issuing preliminary injunctions without doing the four, the, like the four-part test. Uh, so that's good that they actually do think that it's likely to succeed on the merits. Although I'm not sure what the irreparable harm is. Um, maybe you can't get unvaccinated. Well, there's irreparable harm if it's forcing people to get vaccinated, but not if it's just firing people. Um, oh, it says the courts found that the vaccine mandate would cause irreparable harm based on its law unlawful issuance. That's not a, that's, that's not an irreparable harm. That's not anything. In addition, they found that the mandate would cause physical and economic pain and distress, including exacerbated staffing shortages at healthcare facilities, Um, which seems squirrely to me. So first of all, economic pain and distress is not irreparable harm. That's like the one thing that every court in the country says is definitely not irreparable harm, because if you if you're supposed to give someone money and you don't, you can just give it to them later. Uh, to establish irreparable harm, you're supposed to point at something you can't undo. Uh, staffing shortages at healthcare facilities, sure, but that's not. That sounds like it would be irreparable harm to the government, not the healthcare workers who brought the suit. It doesn't seem like they're going to be harmed irreparably. So, 
So this sounds more like uh, politics than sound legal analysis to you. Yeah. Yeah, the the irreparable harm is obviously getting the Bill Gates microchips stuck in them. <laughs> That's not a harm you can repair. No, no. The, if, if, the, if the law said we will coerce you into getting the the vaccine, then that's irreparable harm. Like, if you get the vaccine, you can't unget it. Um, but this is... But that's not what the mandate says. It says you either get the vaccine or you get fired. So if you think it's a non-constitutional law, you can just get fired and then sue. And, the you know, empl- employment cases get decided all the time, and getting fired is not an irreparable harm. All right. Thank you for the legal analysis, because yeah. I, I had no idea what counts as irreparable or not. Yeah. There's also supposed to be, like, a balance of harms um including the public interest <laughs> i just think it's funny that of course the the miss or the louisiana court found that the public interest is served by halting the mandate hmm. classic classic deep south yep um but yeah i i feel like yeah i feel like i am probably in favor of ma- vaccine mandates for healthcare workers because um that's like the one place like especially susceptible people can't avoid going yeah yeah i am in favor of employers being able to mandate that their employees do stuff because that's how jobs work yeah um yeah and i'm i so i'm i'm with you on that and i'm typically i'm generally against the like nationwide mandate for all employers um for all the reasons i said before about how COVID's no longer a big deal so we shouldn't be doing these coercive things and also, doing it through OSHA is retarded and unconstitutional. Uh, it's probably not unconstitutional. Uh, unless, though, as, as I think we talked about, it might become unconstitutional. Yeah, I keep, I keep forgetting that the non-delegation doctrine is wishful thinking at this point. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but it is. It'll be very interesting to see what the court does with it. And speaking of the court, uh, our next story is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. Uh, It was argued in front of the Supreme Court uh, this week. That is the case uh, about the Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks. And guys, it's not looking good for Roe. Not looking good at all. Uh, It's pretty clear we've got four justices willing to overturn it outright. Um, it's got, we got Roberts who wants to do the normal conservative judge thing because he's like an old school, uh, normal conservative. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's like a normal conservative. So he wants to be like, all right, well let's, um, let's chip away at it. So in this case, like he wants to overturn it. Definitely. Um, but he wants to do it slowly and be like, okay, in this case, we'll say 15 week ban is okay. And then the next case we'll say, uh, oh, you don't have to have exceptions for the health of the mother. And then, you know, basically wear it down until it's nothing and then overturn it, which is the normal conservative court way to overturn precedents. Uh, but you got these other four that want to, that are, that are ready to just overturn it. And then the only one that that nobody really knows which way he's going to go is Kavanaugh, uh, which he also definitely wants to overturn it, but it's unclear whether he's going to do the, the Roberts way or 
just just say like let's explicitly overturn it he cited a number of of prior presidents brown versus board of education which outlawed racial segregation in schools baker versus carr which helped enshrine the principle of one person one vote and obgerfell versus hodges which recognized the right to same-sex marriage uh he his comment was if we think that roe and casey are seriously wrong why isn't the correct answer to return all of those previous ones as well and return to a position of neutrality where the federal uh, the federal system doesn't weigh in on these things, doesn't take a position one way or the other. Oh, I can answer that. It does mean that. <laughs> that is, I, I I, don't think that's what Kavanaugh was saying. You don't think? Okay, no, I, you are better first in this than me. Well, what What did I get wrong? He was definitely not suggesting we overturn Brown versus Board of Education. No, but he was saying that if if we were to overturn Roe, wouldn't the same logic apply to Brown versus Board of Education, right? No. What he was saying was that this was in um, – because I heard the audio of this. And what the what he was saying was if we decide that Roe and Casey were wrongly decided, mm-hmm. why shouldn't we just overturn them? Because the lawyer on the other side was saying that you have to apply these stare decisis factors. And you shouldn't you – shouldn't, even if you think a case is wrongly decided, you don't just overturn it. Um, because for all these different reasons for why it's important to have, you know, stability and judicial rulings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kavanaugh brought up, uh, Brown, Baker and Overfell to say that, um, then specifically he was harping on Brown versus board of education. Cause he was saying like, Oh, so if that case had been brought 50 years earlier, um, like, you know, five, 10 years after Plessy versus Ferguson, y- you think it should have come out the other way? Like, we shouldn't have just overturned it. We have to apply all these factors. We couldn't just say, no, Plessy versus Ferguson was wrong and we should overturn it. Uh, And it it was standing in for the proposition that the stare decisis factors don't really matter that much, that the courts should be focusing on what the correct decision is, not necessarily what had been decided before. So I got it exactly backwards. I think that you did. Okay. Um, Interesting. Okay. Assuming this is this is referring to the part of the argument that I heard. Yeah. It feels um, like another modus ponens tonens mix up to me, but I do those a lot. <laughs> no, I can see how you would interpret it that way, but my my interpretation of it is that he was just saying that uh why should we actually care about sorry decisis? Gotcha. Uh, can... uh because he was he was very he 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 just assu- like he just assumed that Brown versus Board of Education was decided correctly. Okay. Um I, I'm I'm quite sure he was not suggesting that the court should overturn that. Can I give what looks like a um, response from Kagan as to why they should care about stare decisis? Yes. And you can tell me if I interpreted this correctly. <laughs> uh, so, oh, not Kagan, rather. So, uh, Sotomayor, sorry. Uh, Sotomayor was saying that if they reversed this, instead of keeping the stare decisis, it undermines the court's legitimacy by creating the sense that the meaning of the Constitution hinges on the court's membership at any particular moment in time. Um, which, on the one hand, yeah, you don't want to give that impression, but on the other hand, isn't that already the impression everybody has? Well, it's the impression that everyone who pays attention has, but not everyone pays attention. Yeah, it's the impression everyone should have, because <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Weren't we just talking about how that seems to be what happened in Louisiana, where it, yeah. they politically don't want the, the mandate, so they ruled against it? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and anyone, anyone paying any attention to the Supreme Court understands that that is accurate. So what's what's this trying to keep up the theater she's doing? I guess I guess you have well, to try. To, yeah, she's trying to keep it up for the peasants. 
Yeah, and that's what Roberts is doing too, and that's why that's why he doesn't want to just overturn Roe because he knows that that will get get people get people's attention, hmm. uh, and he wants Roberts is all about avoiding attention being paid to the court so they can just do all their you know make make their politically charged decisions without anyone noticing that that's what they're doing. If only we had a body of the government that actually made the laws. I mean, yes, if, only, by if repres- only by elected representatives, you know. Yeah, if only they actually made laws. Could They'd- take or leave the actually elected part, but uh... <laughs> or the laws part, <laughs> <laughs> or yes. really the rest of it. <laughs> um, I actually hope they overturn Roe, though. Why is that? Um, because it's I because I think that's what people voted for. Uh, I think enough enough people voted in a way. That, um, you know, they knew this was a likely outcome, so it can be inferred that that's what they wanted. And I think that when people vote for something, that, that it should happen. I agree that people probably voted for this. I have, I am much less uh, on the side of people should get what they want anymore. <laughs> I'm starting to think we can't trust the masses. I, I am deeply sympathetic to the view that democracy is the theory that the people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> The problem is, I'm one of the people. <laughs> so, I I am actually kind of okay with Roe being overturned on the merits, just because I figure it's such a decisive, or divisive issue, sorry, that we're going to either have variation over time as the various factions gain and then lose control of whatever levers of power you need to make it legal or illegal, or it's going to vary from state to state as, like, the Democratic uh, states make it legal, the Republican states make it illegal, and this um, uh, more centrist states come up with some sort of wishy-washy compromise. And I would much rather have the latter scenario than the former. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit on the um, the Beltway-Banthas crossover episode, but if, if we're ever going to do anything about the polarization in the country and the high stakes of every election it's a federalism is what we're going to have to do which means you let each state you know do what do what their people want um and when it comes to abortion it's not like other rights that have been judicially recognized um those almost always get more popular dramatically over time um, and abortion is just not like that. It's remained, you know, nearly 50, 50 or like, or really like one third, one third, one third with like one third of people in the squishy middle saying like, Oh, sometimes, but not other times. And blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's, we don't have a consensus, consensus on it in this country. And I think you either have to eat, shove it down everyone's throats, which is what we've been doing. Um, which is, you know, this substantively is good because, people should have the right to have abortions but politically it creates a huge mess um and it makes our politics worse and i think this is when it's when it's this evenly divided you know i feel like that's where you have to just say like okay you can let the states do their own thing yeah i I guess hopefully my troop deployment will make you feel better (laughs) about this yeah none of this none of this is to say that this won't have horrific consequences i i would i mean i would almost prefer for it to be like a citywide law rather than a state law because like there's uh, austin and texas should not the rest of texas really should not be under the same laws that would be nice 
Because Austin is vast majority like blue left wing and the rest of Texas is red and right wing. And there's going to be a lot of conflict if one of those polities, uh, populaces gets to impose what they want as the laws on the other. Yeah. And Texas is going to be probably the biggest problem. Maybe Alaska, actually, Um, because they're both huge. And you have to you if you're in that state, you'd have to travel a very long way to get to a state where, you know, your abortion will be legal. Um, Austin is, I think, close-ish to a border, but it's with other deep red states. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is... I know we've talked before about how, uh, you know, abortion, you can actually just take a pill. It is close to other deep red states, but those states are smaller, and it would be a giant honking profit opportunity. And uh, that means that it's more likely that a special interest might be able to get its claws into the relevant state legislature, which in general I'm not in favor of, but it seems like it would probably work out well here. Oh, no, just kidding. Austin isn't close to the border at all. It's like right in the middle of the state. Yeah, I think it's DFW. That's the uh, major metro that's fairly close to a state border. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, yes. Part of what gets me is that, like you said, it's it's pretty easy to, to you know, do your own at-home abortion with uh, pills that you can order online. Uh, but it separates things into laws that apply to people who have the resources and knowledge to get around them and, uh, and those who don't. Which, you know, it's generally going to be the more upper-class, more well-educated people, uh, which leads to this divide where, like, there's laws that supposedly apply to everyone, but don't actually apply to the upper class, and uh, I can see that being a problem. Yeah, I mean, the way abortion used to work before Roe vs. Wade? Yes. Hey, Inyash, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. That's true of literally all laws. And I really hate that. I think all the laws should apply equally, which is why I want there to be very few of them. That's, okay, well, I, I, I want a pet unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) damn it you know just while we're while we're saying that we want things that are made up and won't exist ever it could have exist eventually once we get to the transhuman future once we all move to prospera yeah yeah (laughs) all right um but yes i do want to acknowledge that the the immediate result of this law are going to be a whole lot of women who are not this law, this decision. It's gonna because it's gonna trigger laws in I think fifteen states who have laws on the books that say as soon as Roe versus Wade's overturned, all abortions are illegal. Um, so it's gonna result in a lot of women having children who didn't want to, and also um, a whole lot of dangerous, you know, back alley DIY abortions. Um, and that sucks. And this is all reasons why abortion should just be legal everywhere. Um, and should not be as divisive as it is. Oh, so one thing I wanted to point out from the uh, the oral argument was Amy Coney Barrett, the latest crazy Catholic on the court. Uh, just she um, she was trying to say she was trying to say like, okay, well, what's the actual um, harm that it does to someone if they can't get an abortion? And she's like, the, uh, you know, they they won't be impoverished by it because all of these states have laws that say, like, if you don't want your child, you can just, like, drop it off at the firehouse, and you won't be responsible for it. Has she not had children? I think she's had several. I mean, I assumed as a Catholic she had, but how can you possibly have had children and not realize what a fucking huge physical ordeal it is? 
it changes your body forever, and it's like it's almost as bad as major surgery. Yeah, I'm sure she thinks that's women's duty. Oh, fuck that bitch. It says so in the Bible, probably, maybe. Inyasha, I'm confused. I'm confused by why you're confused by this. Because Are you she's... under the impression that this is an actual like simulacra level one uh, object level statement of her beliefs about reality? That is what I no, was it, thinking. No, it's just red tribe, yay. Oh god damn it! I'm sorry. I keep thinking that people like say the things they actually think. And this is why you fail. Png. <laughs> Always and forever. But that's not even the best part of what she said. My favorite part is when she said, "Okay, so now you're left with." With bodily autonomy as the uh, as the interest, um, like it is with vaccinations. Which, to be clear, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. The bodily autonomy argument should be applied way, way more broadly than it is. Because it's actually a really good principle. But people on the left trot it out whenever they need to argue about abortions and then immediately forget about it whenever they're talking about literally anything else. And the people on the right do the same with vaccines. That is true. (laughs) I just, uh, I feel like the interests are not quite the same magnitude. Uh, Zeniash was pointing out, pregnancy could be quite an ordeal. Uh, Whereas, you know, I got the vaccine three times. I was... Yeah, well, that's the nice thing about principles. You don't need to worry about magnitude. You just apply the principle. Okay, see, that is not at all how the law works, especially when it deals with principles. Oh, I'm aware of this. <laughs> I hate it, but I know. Everything in the law now is a balancing test. Thus is principled stance against all laws. Exactly. All right, fair enough. All right, we're like 40 minutes in, and we've only covered two things. So let's move on to our next story from Eniash. To be fair, they were big things. They were big things. The next story, then, is the, uh, Wa- I don't know how to pronounce this, Wakesha? Does either of you know how to pronounce this? the name of this town? I know K-E-S-H-A is pronounced Kesha, so I'm just going to assume it's Wakesha. Excellent. So, Wakesha, uh, the, it was just a few hours, I think like 12 hours before we recorded our last podcast, that the Wakesha massacre happened, where some fucking crazy person drove an SUV repeatedly into a ton of people in a parade. Uh, and at the time, I basically, we were sitting down to oh, record- Oh great, another I, mass shooting by a straight white man. <laughs> I, I had my heart fall out of my chest, and I was like, oh god damn it. I, this is this is horrible. I don't want to talk about it. It's it's just bad times, and I know it's going to be politically motivated. And do we even have to do this? And then uh, I and yet did here quick- you are talking about it. Well, I did a quick googling, and all the reports were like, "Oh yeah, no, this uh, this guy was fleeing from a, a knife fight or some sort of uh, police incident, and he just happened to like veer down the street and hit some people." And I was like, "Oh, okay, so someone was fleeing from a crime, hit some people. That's not really news to talk about." Uh, but no, that was that was the goddamn media who realized that uh, this was a uh, angry black man in a car, motivated politically uh, or ideologically to kill as many innocent people as he could, and decided that does not fit our um our current narrative frame and so we're gonna try to bury it and yeah they i'm i'm really pissed off first of all that this happened it's just fucking disgusting the the people that were maimed and killed by this and i hate it but also then equally annoyed that 
we did not cover it because the early coverage was like, oh yeah, nothing to see here because of some political bullshit. If it was the other way around, we would have gotten as much coverage as like the Kyle uh, Rittenhouse thing, where it turns out that this guy crossed state lines in order to do whatever racist white supremacy thing he could. And I just, I don't know. I, I hate everything about all these situations, and I'm looking very sternly at the media for being bullshit artists about this. One of them that, it was, this was days later, one of the headlines from CNN wrote something like car accident in parade kills multiple people. Like, that is, that is not just fuck all of you. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, what I heard about this was that, yeah, it was uh, unintentional. Uh, so that's fucked up if it is actually intentional. And we did have like wall-to-wall media coverage about a sing- similar thing that happened in like 2016. But, you know, it was a white dude. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, that was the beginning of the incel panic. Uh, and Charles, Charleston, Charlesville, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, Charlottesville, that's what it was. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, some crazy dude crashed his car into a bunch of people demonstrating. Yeah. Um. So where did you even find out about this guy's motivation? Uh, <laughs> well, he is staying tight-lipped about his motivation, but I don't think it's a big fucking secret when a dude who goes going on lots of racist cre- screeds in his uh, various social medias and uh, then starts intentionally driving through a parade of people in a SUV what his motivations are. Like, people don't do mass murder unless it's ideologically motivated of strangers. I heard about it on the... I believe it was the assorted calibers podcast because they track mass killings and they accurately predicted that and i quote the media was going to give this one a good leaving alone that is definitely what happened all right good on you uh, assorted calibers we're uh we're, we're currently in negotiations i think to have a crossover episode with them yes probably not gonna happen until after the holiday season well, but yeah all right um, and speaking of murderers... Speaking of good leavings alone by the media... <laughs> uh, Ahmad Arbery, uh, who was murdered last, um, last summer, I think. Yep. Um, they had the trial of his murderers, and they were found guilty of murder. Um, this was, this was the, uh, really horrific story of a black guy being in the wrong place. Um, and I think... I think he had, like, broken into a house, um, but didn't take Uh, anything, or he, like... No, it was a house under construction, and he just, like, went onto the construction site to look around, and that included, like, walking through the part of the house that would be the house in the future, but they hadn't put up walls yet. Okay. I have literally done that. Yeah. Probably illegal, but no big deal. Um... So they found the the guy who shot him guilty of malice murder, um, and the other two guys with him guilty of felony murder, um, which is you, just when someone gets killed in the course of you committing a felony. Um, and this happened pretty much right after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, uh, like a few days after. Um, and I think both of those are, you know, in in my opinion, the system working. Yeah. I mean, they basically straight up lynched the dude for no reason. Yeah. He just was in the wrong place and the wrong color. Yeah. Um, but everyone, like, I'm sure that, you know, I saw a thousand think pieces get written after Rittenhouse saying like, ah, well, of this course, the white guy. The white gets, supremacist. Yes, white supremacist. Um, um, criminal justice system will yeah. always let off white people whenever they murder black people. 
Yeah. Because that was the fucking narrative when a Latino guy killed some white guys in self-defense. Yeah. Oh, so that was why this got suppressed. I was wondering why they wouldn't play up more this sort of thing. Oh, yeah, because it was... Doesn't fit the hashtag narrative. Yeah, it was white people getting held accountable for killing a black guy. Okay, I was trying to like look at it in terms of like scissor statements. There was nothing very controversial about this. Everybody knew exactly what had happened, but no, your yours yeah. makes more sense. Yeah, that and, and there's probably also some of that. There's really not much of a toxoplasma of rage here. Yeah, everyone agrees. Like, oh yes, these guys were murderers. Oh, they were guilty of murder. Excellent. Nothing, nothing else really to talk about. Uh, but it does complicate the Rittenhouse narrative, which is I think why the media. What was the uh, what was the phrase? Gave it a good leaving alone. Yes. Yeah, um, but that happened. So good job, Justice System. Yay! Uh, all right. Next story is from Ineash. Yeah, this is one that I kind of want to get your guys' takes on. The Ooh, uh, Michigan takes. school shooter. Yeah, right. You'll have plenty the, of those. Uh, I hope so. And I can ch- chime in with my kind of confused one after you guys are done. But uh, there was a Michigan school shooter which people have probably already heard about. Uh, the twist in this one being that he, the kid used a handgun that was bought for him by his parents and his parents have been arrested and are being held for, I don't know exactly what, some kind of accomplice to murder thing, whatever. Uh, they did try to flee beforehand, which is never a good look. Uh, but what do we think about the parents being arrested uh, for this when it was their son that committed the crime, but so- using a weapon they pot purchased? I'm confused. Did they do any actual crimes? No. Did they? You said they bought the gun for the kid. Yes, at that, an earlier date. Okay, so they. Okay, that's I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure that's legal in Michigan. Huh. Like there are some hoops you need to jump through, but I'm pretty sure you can that uh, private transfers are legal to a 15 year old though. Oh, he's 15. Yeah, I think he's 16. Okay, yeah, no, that's that is. Uh, yeah, that's super illegal, and yes, they should be arrested for that, because <laughs> it's not responsible. Oh, you're right, he is 15, yeah. Yeah, I mean, y- you can you can dispute whether or not it should be illegal to give guns to 15-year-olds, but it is illegal, and um, yeah, that that's not the worst. Um, I don't, I, I don't like them getting charged with manslaughter. Oh, yeah, they definitely shouldn't have, like, any sort of accessory to the shooting that their son did, but they should definitely super-duper be arrested for giving firearms to minors. I'm not sure what exactly the uh, legal name of that crime is. I don't even know if that's the kind of crime you get arrested for. Right, I I think that one's probably going to be like a slap on the wrist kind of thing, and they want to get these uh, parents for something more serious since a lot of people are dead. Yeah, I don't know what Michigan law is. Like, what is manslaughter in Michigan? What are the penalties for it? Um, They are in jail, though, and are being held on half a million dollar bail. So That seems excessive. I would would think that it's good to just have no bail at all for people who are on, uh, on trial for murder. So I'm I have I'm fine with the half million dollars thing. I'm just but, not. But they're I don't know. they're not I, on trial for murder. Uh, manslaughter. Yes, M- manslaughter That's different is from murder. significantly <laughs> less less serious than murder. Manslaughter is like you killed someone by accident. I understand, but uh, if they're on trial for something that involved people being killed, which I think at that point you don't necessarily should have any bail at all, because I think that would be the greatest flight risk. I extremely disagree. Really? How come? Uh, because 
if you commit manslaughter, then, like, that's pretty much a wrong place, wrong time sort of crime. Mur- it's completely different from murder. And also, the greatest flight risk, just empirically speaking, is, like, drug crimes. Especially when they're, like, high-level Rico sort of stuff. I, I mean, not Rico, because it's never Rico, but, um... <laughs> Uh, like sure high-level organized crime stuff, because like, okay. it, yeah, if you if you look at and I took a class with Alex Tabarrok, who literally wrote a paper on this, the highest um, flight risk category uh, of people who post bail uh, is people who post who pay their bond in cash because they're basically all drug dealers and high-level ones at that. <laughs> Plus, they don't have a bondsman that's going to hunt them down. Yes. Uh, These people, though, did try to run from the police and hide out in some some other dude's property. Uh, I can't remember the exact rules of evidence in that sort of stuff, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to take that into account. What? Why? If Um, if they literally fled, they're a high flight risk. No, no, sorry. That's for ascertaining guilt i think right it's yeah not, no, no. you can't um, you can't use that to prove that they're guilty conditions. um unless, unless okay. I, I think yep. maybe you yeah, can I was you can probably use it to prove mens rea but you can't you can't use it to prove that they they actually did the thing but yes definitely yeah. for proving that they're a flight risk them doing flight is super relevant yeah um i just don't know what the like how serious a manslaughter charge is in michigan like this def and like what what degree it is uh but i assume it's a felony which seems pretty fucked up if all they did was give their kid a gun well, maybe if like yeah. they can prove that he should not have had that gun because he was crazy and they knew it or something well i mean he should not have had that gun because he's 15 yeah i definitely don't want to run my mouth too much because like if facts come out that like they found a um like a diary where the kid had written down detailed fantasies about gruesomely murdering everyone in his class, including like naming them. And they decided a reasonable way to respond to this was giving him a gun. Then like, I don't want to rule out that sort of thing happening. And then, yeah, I I'm okay with them taking a little bit of the heat here, but, um, uh, if literally all they did was just give him a gun and they didn't have any specific reason to be suspicious, then that's pretty fucked up and they should not be facing manslaughter charges. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Because now that I, that I think more about it, I don't know, giving a 15-year-old a handgun? That seems pretty reckless. There's some 15-year-olds that could handle it. It depends on the well, 15 Yeah, they can handle it. But I, I think it's. I think it'd be much more reasonable if they got him, like, you know, a hunting rifle or something. To be like, yes, you will use this for hunting. I feel like getting him a yeah, handgun, yeah. you're like, well, he's. You, this is for shooting people. That's what handguns are for. Well, if, if, like, the reason they did it was he was, like, getting mugged on the way home from school every other week or something like that. Yeah, like, I can I can see reasons why that might be a sensible thing to do. Um, but it is definitely an illegal thing to do, which, you know, isn't necessarily that big a deal. Um, but I also don't want to say with as few facts as I currently have that it's definitely a dumb thing to do, but I am presuming against it at the moment. All right. Fair enough. Our next story is from David. 
Uh, yeah, so, um, the trial of that French actor started. Uh, you know the one I'm talking about? Juicy nope. Smoulier? Oh, Juicy! <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm gonna stop ripping off Dave Chappelle now. Um, so, uh, Juicy Smoulier, who I am going to keep pronouncing his name like that, because I've honestly forgotten how his name is actually pronounced. Uh, Jesse Smollett. Okay, I'm going to keep pronouncing it the other way because it's more fun. Um, he uh, was a actor who uh, got famous on the show Empire and then decided to fake a racist and homophobic attack. Allegedly fake. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, technically, it is just allegedly fake at this point. Uh, but <laughs> honestly, everyone who was paying attention and thinking about this, meaning everyone except people in the media, knew <laughs> it was fake pretty much from the day the news came out. Uh, and yeah, his trial for um, faking this police report and so on uh, has started, and his lawyer has taken the bold strategy of claiming that the obviously staged attack was in fact a real crime. I mean, what other take? Could they, what other defense could there possibly be? Uh, plea bargain. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, my favorite part of that whole thing was that the guys he hired to do the like racist attack were black guys. Yeah, <laughs> they were. They were black immigrants. Yeah, he couldn't even find actual white people to do this. No, and he was like, afterward, he was like, "Oh, it was some white guys." <laughs> Yeah, but the the exact case that the defense is making is that Juicy had hired them as personal trainers, and that's why he paid them a bunch of money, mm. and then separately they decided to mug him later. Bold strategy, and then try, and then try, and then I think they're claiming that they tried to deflect suspicion by making it look like it was a. Uh, a MAGA thing. But then he... Did they, like... He still <laughs> lied! Did, did, maybe they put on white face and were wearing MAGA hats. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying this is a good idea. I'm saying it's the idea they're going with. But that's not even a real defense, because if he knew them, <laughs> then, uh, like, uh, I guess it's not... I guess if you don't tell him, like, everything that you know, it's not a crime. It's just a crime to file a false materially false report but i feel like if it's guys you know and you say like oh yeah it was white strangers uh i feel like that's still yeah and i'm not sure i'm not sure exactly what the police report said so it might have just been that like the police report was uh more just the facts ma'am and then he ran his mouth to the media going into all the detail about the maga hats and so on well, it's not a crime to lie to the media, though. Exactly. Right. So he wouldn't be on trial so, for that. So, yeah. So that so that would be a good legal defense if true. Uh, I mean, it would be a, a adequate, I guess, legal defense. It wouldn't be a good one because it's obvious <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, good luck. Good luck, Jesse. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure this will work out very well for you. Our next story is from Eniash. Oh yeah. Uh, I. Don't know too much about this one because not a lot is really happening. Well, I'm 
Not a lot is happening. That's that's hard to say when there's almost 200,000 people being moved around. Okay, uh, I'll just skip to it. Uh, tensions between Russia and Ukraine are high, and Russia has been moving troops to the border. They already had about 75,000 troops on the border, and they are upping that to 175,000. And, uh, you know, people looking at this are kind of worried about it, because war's never great. Oh, especially when a, Yeah, especially when a nuclear-powered regime is involved. So they just, like, nuclear power. have all their troops lined up on the border. Oh, not all their troops. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it, it's Russia. <laughs> but I feel like Russia. A... I feel like Russia does this all the time, though. Yeah, I know they did it at least once before and didn't invade. Yeah, I feel like someone. I've seen a half a dozen stories of like Russia lines up all their troops on the border with X country just to to be intimidating. About a year ago, China and India got actually into a small skirmish where uh, like a dozen people. Uh, a dozen Indian army people got killed, and they upped the troops, both of them, on their border, but nothing has come of that mm-hmm. since then. Uh, although, you know, doesn't mean it won't still happen, but hopefully hopefully nothing going going south here, uh, aside from them posturing and saber-rattling, and maybe somebody will back down. All right, well, uh, Russia, if you're listening, don't invade Ukraine. <laughs> please, no more wars. Let's, uh, let's, let's buy it, okay? Invade, One of the reasons... Invade Ukraine's buy it. <laughs> One of the reasons is bad is because of the uh, web of alliances and things that are going on in Europe. Is Ukraine is part of the European Union, isn't it? Is it? I don't think so. Well, you know who could tell us? The internet. Quite correct. Uh, no, they are not actually no. part of the Europe, uh, European Union. Okay. Uh, but Europe, being a big, complicated place, has lots of webs of alliances and such. And the British Army chief, uh, the top British Army guy, has warned recently that uh, there's a risk of accidental war with Russia, in his opinion. He says it's uh, greater than during the Cold War, even, because many of the traditional diplomatic tools and mechanisms that you and I, uh, I guess he thinks I'm older than, than, or maybe he's just talking to someone else, that you and I grew up with in the Cold War are no longer there. Uh, Which, you know, probably true and worrying. I love that phrase, accidental war. (laughs) <laughs> like you tripped. Yeah. Oops, we're in a war now. Yeah. No, <laughs> nothing we can do about it. It was an accident, guys, I swear. <laughs> I was just fucking around with my artillery and it went off. Whoop, Sorry whoop, about whoop, that. <laughs> I accidentally took Berlin, my bad. <laughs> God, guys, we accidentally invaded Ukraine. <laughs> it was, I swear, we met, We thought it was uh, Urkut. <laughs> we thought it was Belarus. <laughs> Those guys are dicks. Nobody would mind if we invaded them. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of avoiding catastrophes, our next story is about NASA, and they're testing an asteroid deflection craft. This what? is stupid. Why are we doing this? Wait, what? This is awesome. What? We should have this. Yeah, this is great. What are you talking about? It should be uh, happy news, the, honestly. The, if we had asteroid deflection technology it's much more likely that it's going to be used for war or terrorism before it's ever used for protection of earth so this is a technology that we should not be developing i think anybody who wants to nuke a place would have a cheaper time using actual nukes than trying to redirect an asteroid you're not wrong but the probability of us getting hit with a killer asteroid is Roughly zero. Or the probability of it happening in, like, the next 100,000 years. I feel like asteroid deflection craft is one of those things that you're always talking about how, uh, you know, harmful technologies should be safeguarded by, like, robed tech priests. 
who who don't tell anyone about it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's you know it's not exactly like that, but I feel like it's very uh, limited the number of people who would be uh, capable of doing something like this. Oh yeah, I'd definitely be okay with the road tech race running this. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with governments running it. All right, fair so enough. So David's that... real problem is that they told people about it rather than keeping it secret. Well, I think his real problem is that no, this my is real problem is that Donald Trump has, would hypothetically have control of this if we rearrange the timeline a little, or if God forbid he gets reelected in three years. He wouldn't need it. He has so many nukes. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like once you have nukes, yeah, I feel like the, uh, yeah, it's only really only the nuclear powers who would be able to manage something like this, and they already have nukes. Yeah, but people yell at people for using nukes, and they don't necessarily do it for using space <laughs> Wait, wait, you think, you think they're going to get yelled at less for redirecting an asteroid? Look, guys, it, technically it wasn't a nuke, so it, no no harm, no foul. I'm sorry, is that not exactly the kind of retarded things that governments do all the time? I, like, um, we, we have rules against X. Y is worse than X, but there's no rules against it. So we'll punish you worse for doing X than we will for you doing Y? That's like literally government modus operandi day one. I don't think anyone's going to give them slack after they wipe a city off the face of the planet. That's cute. I mean, if they give them hey, slack, hey, it'll be because hey, Inyash, they're on the same political hey, slide Inyash, and not because it happened hey, buddy, to be a, and not a Hey, nuke. friend. Yeah. Do you remember uh-huh. when, um, so you remember when, um, Andrew Cuomo killed approximately a city's worth of people and no one gave a fuck? Yes. I do not remember that. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> Wait, when did he kill a city's worth of people? He Bob killed a city's worth of grandparents in the early days of the pandemic. He killed over a million grandparents. Uh, he didn't kill over a million, but he killed a small city's worth. All right. First of all, that does not at all count, because when cities get wiped off the map, people aren't worried about some older people having a higher rate of death, even though I admit that is tragic and terrible. Like, wiping out a city means a million-plus people all going poof at once, and them being of all ages, and it's it's a drastically different situation. There may have been a slight over-exaggeration. Sure, but your empirical claim that people always care whenever politicians cause a city's worth of deaths... Is just clearly false. Well, I... They care sometimes, but not always. I'm pretty sure I didn't say city's worth of death. I said wipes a city off the face of the earth, which is very different. I feel like that's a strange moral calculus, but okay. Also, according to Wikipedia, uh, common population definitions for an urban area range between 1,500 and 50,000 people. Uh, So, you know, a city's worth of people is a very ambiguous term. Yeah, yeah, I should have seen that one coming. Anyway, what were we saying about uh, Andrew Cuomo? No, we were saying that this asteroid technology is awesome and it's good that the humanity is going to have something to ensure its continued survival in case of asteroid. Oh, yes, that's good. Uh, We won't know. (laughs) Even David agreed with that. (laughs) We won't know if it works for a year, uh, since that's how long it's going to take to get to the uh, asteroid that it's targeting. Um, The idea is just to like nudge it over just a little bit to slightly alter its orbit. Um, which would, you know, in, in the interstellar sense, if we got an asteroid heading for Earth, well, that's all you got to do. Are they, uh, are they like pushing it with rockets or something? I think they're just crashing the thing into it. Oh, okay. 
Uh, Futurama style. Whatever moves it out of the way. Yeah. The DART mission, short for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. They're doing it twice? I don't know. It's only one spacecraft, so I don't know why it's called Double. It'll crash into it twice. Because otherwise it doesn't make the nice backronym. I guess. You can't call it the art mission. That's a different thing. <laughs> uh, call it the uh, single heliotype mission. Make it the shark. <laughs> ah, nice. But yeah, they're going to crash it into the asteroid at 15,000 miles per hour. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be back in a year to let you know if it worked. If every one of those miles was a person, it would count as a city. God. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Ineash has one last story for us, and this one's about Twitter. Oh, yeah. Jack Dorsey was the head of Twitter forever, and he has left Twitter now. And uh, I don't know how various people feel about that, but one of the common sentiments I'm seeing is a great deal of worry that Twitter is going to start screwing down the censorship uh, because uh, Jack Dorsey was actually a fairly big um, defender of freedom of speech he kept twitter one of the very few places that just could have nudity on porn on it sex workers used it as a um a way to i don't know market themselves and uh they're particularly worried that this is going to go away but just you know anybody who cares about not having speech randomly censored all the time uh cares about it he was called into congress uh when they were um when they were censoring Gosh, what was it? Was it actually Trump or was it a different situation? I don't know. There, there was some kind of censorship going on, and he was actually really pissed off about it. He said, I did not know that was that this was Oh, it was the Hunter Biden laptop to... story. That's right, the Hunter Biden laptop Yeah, he was pissed thing. off and, about uh, that. Yes, he was. And so, yeah, he he was kind of a defender, and, uh, and I'm not looking forward to... I mean, I hate Twitter already. I barely use it, uh, but it would be... I'm always in favor of free speech, so more censorship is bad in my opinion. And one of the first things that the uh, guy who took his place did, like the next day, I think, uh, was put in place rules that you can't share videos that have like anybody that isn't a public media figure in it um, unless they fulfill certain political objectives, I guess. Uh, and... Yeah, I'm already getting this video contains sensitive content on all sorts of things that just are very, very weird. And I don't know why they would get that notice. Yeah, I'm not necessarily opposed to the new Twitter rule. Um, it's not that you can't post things. It's that if you are in a photo or a video that someone else posted, you can ask them to take it down and they'll take it down um, unless you're a public figure. Um, I don't I haven't really gamed out the pros and cons of that rule, but my initial thought is that it's probably a good rule it seems good on the surface yeah, yeah if that's yeah, what the rule is it seems like a seems like one of those rules that's good in principle but can easily open the door to a lot of really bad stuff like it depends on how thoroughly they check like whether or not you're actually in the thing yeah because if fair. it's just a summary thing then that basically means you can get any post with a picture in it taken down just by claiming to be in it yeah now i think didn't facebook already have this as a rule because isn't there that meme where you're reporting a thing where you say i'm in this picture and i don't like it and i think that's from facebook the, yeah so they had that is something you can report a picture for i'm just not sure how I'm not sure what happens after you push that button. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know what's going to happen on Twitter either, but uh, I guess more rules are usually bad, so. I guess we will we'll see. see. All right. Well, now we're going to stop talking about Twitter and talk about the exact opposite of Twitter. Happy news. Good news, Yay! everyone. 
And uh, the first one is about Chris Hemsworth. Ooh. Indeed. Chris Hemsworth. Gosh, I love the fact that so many um, attractive and, um, I don't know, charismatic people in uh, in Hollywood right now are also total nerds. Like uh, fucking the guy who played Superman and The Witcher. What's his name? Uh, uh, Chris Cavill? Hen- no, Henry Cavill? Cavill? I don't know. Henry Cavill, yeah. Super buff, total nerd, loves to play Warhammer. Uh, Vin Diesel, as everyone already knows, used to play D&D, and I think still does. Like, it's just, it's great, great that we have this sort of representation. Anyways, Chris Hemsworth is uh, some flavor of transhumanist. He has openly talked uh, excitedly about living for hundreds of years. And now he is in a show about longevity called Limitless, which so far has only, it's a six-part series, so far has only appeared on Nat Geo, but is going to be coming to Disney Plus in 2022. And as the guy who plays Thor, as well as various other things, he is kind of popular and hopefully can bring the good word of living forever and um, life extension technology to the masses. So, yay! Would be nice. That's definitely an area that could use some more funding. Hell yeah. Uh, all right. And uh, next piece of happy news, Xenobots. Yeah, this is maybe something that can help get us to the uh, the long-term living forever kind of thing. Uh, Xenobots, a bunch of little... Um, I mean, they're, they're organic. They're made out of frog cells, uh, and they kind of move themselves around and scoop up uh, stem cells. And they have managed to make these these little tiny xenobots that scoop around enough stem cells that those stem cells start to organize themselves into little copies of the xenobots, although they're not direct copies. So I think it's sort of a... It's sort of not entirely true that they're making copies of themselves, but they're making something very similar, which also goes around and tries to uh, collect stem cells. It's a different shape, so it's not nearly as efficient, and it only lasts for one generation. But we have, for the very first time, uh, little organic robots that can duplicate themselves and do things. And uh, that is a big step forward for having our awesome nanotech future where we can inject things into us that will, you know, duplicate themselves and then make all the bad things in our bodies go away and replace them with great things. I'm going to go inject some right now. I am pretty sure I've read this sci-fi book and I do not want the future light cone of Earth tiled by gay frogs. Uh, but it looks like this is probably something different from that, so tentative, uh, tentative agreement that this is cool. All right, and with that, we're going to move on to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer, and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield each episode, and we'll start with David. Yeah, so my troop deployment is about laws and how they are becoming technologically impossible to implement. Of the many and varied things that Americans are upset with total strangers for having different opinions on, there are perhaps no two buttons hotter than abortion and guns. In addition to their divisiveness, these laws are notable for being hard to enforce now and for getting harder to enforce daily. Texas's deeply intrusive rights-violating and awful law-limiting abortion SB-8, has been notable for not actually decreasing the abortion rate all that much. It seems to have caused a surge in women seeking abortions earlier than they might have before the law passed, which resulted in an artificial drop immediately afterwards, followed by women seeking abortions out of state or at-home drug-induced abortions thereafter. While certainly not ideal, these are non-trivial medical procedures, and having to wait for drugs to arrive from outside the country or take a slightly longer drive is hardly going to be deal-breaking for many people. 
while I was perusing resin 3D printers, which I was considering when I wrote this and have now purchased, on a whim I did a price check for industrial grade metal 3D printers. While they're still around as expensive as a small house, this represents a roughly five times drop from a few years ago, meaning that with decent thrift and a middle class income, you can buy a piece of hardware which can, with trivial materials cost and some maintenance which can easily be done by anyone with access to YouTube, produce an effectively Im infinite number of unregistered suppressors or fully automatic pistol caliber carbines. For anyone who wants unregistered NFA items, this too is hardly going to be deal-breaking. I had a previous troop deployment about how drugs have won the drug war. While that remains true with 20th century drug manufacturing and distribution technology, the biotech used to produce the COVID vaccines implies that we are, at most, a decade or two away from a world where any biochem grad student can make LSD, heroin, or cocaine-producing brewer's yeast by the vatful in their garage. The novel The Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson is set in a society where radical new financial technology renders taxation technologically infeasible. This society reorganizes into subscription-based voluntary governments, aka anarcho-capitalism, with the lower classes having no governments whatsoever. These radical far-future technologies are Tor and Blockchain, two somewhat obscure but easily accessible staples of technardery since the early 2010s. As American society becomes more politically divided, it will become more and more common for people to begin looking for ways to opt out. As new legislation encourages the creation of massive new regulatory and bureaucratic obstacles to daily life for little to no benefit, as some proposed instances of the Build Back Better bill did for childcare in the guise of a childcare subsidy, and asset ownership in the guise of a wealth tax which will only affect the super wealthy we promise, don't you trust us, I anticipate that people will begin looking for ways to opt out of official regulated activity. As they look for those ways out, they will find them. As they find them, continued innovation and economies of scale will make them easier to find and cheaper to access. After all, if you're getting paid to babysit for the next-door neighbor in Ethereum or cash under the table, why not spend some of that on a suppressed FGC9 or some craft ecstasy from the local brewery? While this may not end in the glorious anarcho-capitalism of the Diamond Age, it's hard to say for sure that it won't. I'm sure much of our listenership will have much more mixed feelings about such a hypothetical state or lack thereof than I will, but it's distinctly possible that anarcho-capitalism may be coming whether you want it or not. All right. Thank you, David. Eniash, what do you have for us? Uh, I have the... We have done... This is our second Christmas, right? Yes. Uh, yes. I really hope I didn't do this troop deployment last year, but if I did, well, people are going to hear it again. Uh... I just put up all my Christmas uh, decorations yesterday, which is awesome because Christmas is a wonderful holiday. It is probably the second best holiday, maybe tied for first with Halloween. Uh, but it has this problem where it's like really super religious and people are always shoving Jesus up in your face. And that, that part is really annoying. Uh, and it has all these wonderful Christmas carols that are just perfect for the holiday season. But then all of them are about like how you have to fillet the baby Jesus all the time. <laughs> and that's not great. Uh, fortunately, there is a solution to this problem. It is called the HP Lovecraft Historical Society. They have a choir, and they uh, created their own scary solstice carols, as they call them. Um, 
They are available, I believe, from their website. You can also hear almost all of them online on YouTube. They are fantastic. They are all the great Christmas carols that you love, except without all the Jesus and religious stuff in them, and instead uh, transposed with things from H.P. Lovecraft's mythos, uh, like Cthulhu coming to eat your sanity and the rest of the world and all that. And it's great! I have them playing all the time. I know almost all the words because I'm a sucker for Christmas stuff and for Halloween stuff, and this just merges the two of them perfectly, and I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Eniash. Uh, my troop deployment this episode is that you should have kids whenever you want. As is the way of things, there's now a backlash to the backlash regarding when people should have kids. It started with everyone being told they need to have kids in their 20s. Then there was a backlash saying that waiting to have kids was best. Now it's swung around again with all the cool, hip, edgy people claiming that actually our grandparents were right and everyone should have kids in their 20s. Can everyone just stop with all of this? When my daughter was born, I was 36 and my wife was 38. And it was great. It was the best decision we ever made. We got to spend our 20s partying and our 30s developing our careers to the point where we're financially stable and I'm self-employed and work from home, which means I can stay home and parent all day instead of sending our daughter to daycare. It's great. I would have been miserable doing this in my 20s, but now that I'm older, I've mellowed out and am much more suited to parenting. The new advice says not to do this because your fertility will suffer. Thankfully, Emily Oster examined the evidence for this in her book Expecting Better, which I highly recommend. First off, she found that most of the data on fertility and age is from the 19th century, so take that for what it's worth. Second, she found that there's no decline before age 35, and from age 35 to 40, fertility only declines by 10%. That's it. Even over 40, over half of women in one more modern study were able to conceive within a year, and there are a lot more options now with IVF, cryopreservation, and other treatment options. Fertility does not fall off a cliff after 35 like some people will tell you. And even if it does, there are other things that can help. But also, do what you want. If you want to have kids in your 20s, go for it. If you want to have a dozen of them, knock yourself out. If you don't want to have kids ever, that's great too. Children are a lot of work, aggravation, and money, and are definitely not for everyone. Really, I just want the pregnancy police to shut the fuck up. Uh, also, there's a sad undercurrent to a lot of the modern advice, specifically from Americans, which is the assumption that if we fail to reproduce, we're somehow destroying our civilization. This attitude seems to be mostly just plain old racism, which assumes that it's important for our society to be made up of majority white European genes. That is, of course, very stupid. And if you can't figure out why, please Google racism bad and the internet will happily enlighten you. For the non-racists, remember that if our country ever suffers due to lack of population, there are many, many people who would like to live here and we could always just let them. All right, that's our show. For this two weeks, please follow us where you follow things. Leave us reviews. They can be good or bad. We'll take any of any of them. Um, subscribe on Substack. For five bucks a month, you get early episodes. You get access to all the bonus episodes. And you get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel. So you can yell at us um, without all the other freeloaders there to, you know, derail the conversation. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye. Bye.